Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is a way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Every purchase on the SeatGeek app is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to a concert that my wife wanted to go to. Really easy to use. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code USC today. That's promo code USC for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast slash Tunnel Vision. We're doing a little special episode here in studio with... Keely Yor, Dan Weber, and myself, Brian Abraham. Uh, we're live on uh, the Periscope and on uh, Facebook. I don't think on YouTube for some reason. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to. We were just going to do our regular Peristyle podcast, and we just said at the last minute, really in like the last five minutes, let's do it live as well because Dan Weber came into studio. Uh, we're going to do a regular Peristyle podcast show. We'll record it and put it up on the Peristyle podcast channels and all that. But we're also going to do Tunnel Vision at the same time because we got a lot of breaking news of everything that's going on. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, our regular email address, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can send us an email, any questions you have. We're probably not going to do a lot of email questions and stuff today because we got all the news to talk about, but you can also text or call 424-254-9141. Again, apologize for my voice. It's been uh, rough the last couple of days. I never, and we get to do that live, so it's fun. But welcome to everyone in the studio. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. Glad to have Dan in the studio. That's yeah. first. We didn't know. So we were going to just do a regular podcast show, and then Dan came. So we're like, well, we tried to do this last week. It didn't work. Uh, I was looking it? for a football practice, and there aren't any on Tuesdays anymore. So uh, got to hang out somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. If the, for, I don't think YouTube is up. But, okay. Well, sorry about that. But we got, looks like Periscope is going. Yeah, we got Periscope going. Wow, we got a lot of people on Periscope. Um, I don't know what's going on with YouTube. We just tried to do that at the last minute too. So sorry, we'll, we'll figure that out at some point. But uh, for our Thursday show, we'll make sure we, we get all that straightened mm-hmm. up. We got Facebook going and it's our regular podcast like we're normally going to do. Um, but man, so a lot of news uh, that happened today. I was in studio in, in here earlier shooting a couple of videos. Uh, we reported last week that former Texas Tech Head coach Cliff Kingsbury was uh, set, you know, had a deal in place, uh, all but signed uh, at USC. There was some pushback uh, from other members of the media. People around USC still seem to be pretty confident. Um, I think he did, you know, entertain some offers from the NFL, took the weekend to kind of check all that stuff. But we knew this was going to be a really good situation for Cliff Kingsbury. And it's not been officially announced by USC yet, but 
Um, everything we've heard, like before, pretty much, uh, is going to happen and, and more media members now. I don't think there's any more problem with the agent. It looks like USC is going to go forward and have Cliff Kingsbury, which is a huge get because USC doesn't make hires like that. They make hires that are, uh, you know, graduate assistant uh, upgrades and stuff. Not This is not this. This was the biggest fish in the sea, and USC got it. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're awfully confident. So let's hope their, uh, you know, their confidence is well, well grounded. Uh, this is the, you know, that this is Pete Carroll walking through the door and saying, <laughs> please hire me. There's other three or four guys that don't want to come here. I really do. Pete Carroll saw USC it was his way back. Yeah. For Cliff Kingsbury, and I wrote it last week, I think this is by far the best deal for him. I think probably get the most money. Uh, you know, but I, I think that's kind of a side issue. I think what it says is Cliff Kingsbury looked at uh, USC's talent and what they've got coming back and the kind of impact he could have with his offense and, you know, the quarterback and the, and the wide receivers that USC has and on the, you know, under the spotlight. As much as he did at Texas Tech, how many times do you remember what happened in Lubbock? I mean, it just, you know, it just, as much as he did, if he, if he has that kind of impact at USC, and let's face it, their offense if you came in purposely to sabotage USC's offense last year, you couldn't have made them any worse. They 80, 82nd and 84th in scoring and in total offense. I mean, 90 in scoring, I believe. 90 in scoring. Tied with Oregon State. That's true. It was 26.7 or whatever. It's, it's like you really would have been hard to sabotage them and do worse. So the ability to just come in and what, you know, how much it'll be fun to actually see a team that will run their offense every day in practice. You can't run that offense unless you actually run it in practice. Yeah. I mean, and none of this, well, we'll change that. This team we're playing, they've got this guy and that guy. So we have to change our whole offense this week. Then next <laughs> week we'll do this. And then that's, no. And, it's, and you, know, you won't go into the UCLA game saying, man, we're worried. They run so many plays. No, no. no. You run the plays. Yeah. You got better players. You run more plays. I mean, so it will change the psychology, I think. You know, yeah. and you look at, like, the, the schedule came out today. And, and as many, you know, good teams are front-loaded and whatever, you go in there and thinking, oh, they got to get ready for us, not us having to get ready for them. I mean, I, I do think it changes the psychology a lot. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's the only thing probably that over this offseason could have gotten people excited about USC football, Yeah, to be honest. Now, they need to go out and get an Ed Orgeron-type defensive line coach who, when after the third quarter at the UCLA game and guys are dancing on the field 20 yards out, would grab them by the throat and throw them up into the stands and say, if you ever do that again, and what does USC have? No, they got 40 guys dancing out on the field, and then they get shut out and beat in in the fourth quarter, and they allow UCLA to say, we don't do stuff like that. We used to be the over the wall gang, not anymore. We're the we're the tough, smart guys. Come on. <laughs> so so they still got a, got work to do. Yeah, though there's a lot of work to do. And like so, we what we talked about before is the the purge that that happened. So Neil Callaway is gone. Um, that would happen uh, you know a little over a month ago. But you also lost T Martin. Now this is the replacement for T Martin. And this was to me. You needed the big domino to fall first. That yes, there's five assistant spots open. But you needed to do this one because I think this one makes a huge difference and it might impact other people uh, on the staff. And you know 
he's going to come in and he's going to be excited to work with some of the young talent. I talked to you know Bruce Feldman, kind of rebroke or whatever the story this morning. He he's pretty close, I think, with the the Kingsbury camp, and uh, he put in. I think he put an article up on uh, the Athletic talking about that he's really excited to work with the young players. That makes a lot of sense, but it's a different system. This is an air raid offense. This will not be the gumbo and all that stuff is gone. Um, so I think that's the huge uh, takeaway from all this is that you're going to change the offense. You're going to bring in a proven system. And it's not, even though, you know, Kingsbury and the Mike Leach connection, Texas Tech and all that, it's not a, a Mike Leach sort of spread where they're, they're not running the ball as much. This is gonna, This is a team that, you know, I, I think our, our buddy Kyle Kensing tweeted out, they had more rushing touchdowns and more rushing attempts than Stanford. Uh, did this year so Cer- I mean, certainly more than USC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's a it's more of a balanced spread um, with the kind of talent that you mentioned. I think it's a big deal, but it's a different kind of offense. The blocking schemes are going to be different. The spreads, the spread of the offensive line is different. So you do have Tim Drevno that everyone's assuming going to move over and take over the offensive line because he you know he did that double duty. But to my knowledge, he hasn't really done that for a spread team and would I think it's Brandon Joseph I forget the offensive line uh, coach for Texas Tech but I, I believe that's something that came up in Bruce's article that he could bring him along from Texas Tech and he might you know and like a guy like Kerry Colbert was coaching tight ends they don't really use tight ends so that's not that's going to go away but USC doesn't use tight ends anyway so that's not much of a change okay. But does Kerry Colbert coach wide receivers, or does he want to bring in somebody there? It might be a whole new offensive staff, which it wouldn't shock me. Right, and and I'm not even sure that the the defensive staff is finished in terms of people, uh, you know, coming and going. Uh, so I think again, hopefully, this is just the first step. But if you're going to try to change the culture at USC, not sure you can change it and keep half the staff. Uh, I mean, yeah. And how does you know in terms of setting up practice? How does Clay fit into this? I mean, do you still do what seem to be semi-walkthroughs at practice now, or do you do everything full speed? And who decides that? Who decides how much, how many reps they, uh, you know, the offense gets and all that? I think that's going to be really interesting. It will, and I think I think you're right. There could be more coaching moves because you needed this one to sort of happen. Um, maybe they stay they stamp out. We don't know, but they. I think this is a big enough change that will change the culture. And I think the even if they don't make more moves, I, I, I agree with you. I think more moves need to be made. But if this this is big enough where it's like, okay, like you could see them uh, trying to, you know, get by with just this. But I feel like the biggest change is going to be having a voice in the room that's done it somewhere else, that's done it a different way, to your point, hey, you know what? This is what's been really effective for me. We're going to do these drills or we're going to practice this hard or do whatever it is because there really wasn't any voice like that in the room. Now you have one, and I think that's going to be big for the whole team. The last time USC had that guy, it was Dylan McCullough, and he didn't come in and ask somebody, what do you think I ought to do for my uh, running back drills? Or whatever. <laughs> he knew what to do. He did it. It, re- it was so obvious how, how it worked. So, I mean, I, you, may, you may be right. There may not be other things happen. I think there should be. I'm not. I'm There's not, no yeah. question there should be. The the thing is though, had Cliff Kingsbury been coaching USC's offense this year, as bad as this year was, what are they worse nine three? Probably I mean, yeah. at worst nine three with no changes other than him running the <laughs> offense. They're nine and three, probably ten and two. 
Yeah, I mean, so they don't have to improve all those others. Now, you know, if Clancy's around, you would like to say, have Clancy have signed, I will play the best players. <laughs> they will be on the field. If my best tacklers are standing next to me, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Get them on the field. What do you think, Keely? What is your... Uh... Put your put you back up on the screen. Sorry, I'm no, that's fine. You're, coding and making sure everything's running yeah, smoothly yeah. right now. Yeah, I know that's good. We, um, we literally just did this at the last minute, so I apologize if something's weird. But I'm very curious what this means going forward. I know early signing day is quickly approaching, and if Cliff is the first domino, are you going to make more culture changes, as in culture firings? I mean, I agree with Dan. You can't really change everything that Lynn Swan listed in his his uh, statement to USC fans without really making sweeping changes. So I'm curious if this is it. And I'm curious how much Clay Helton will really give the keys over to Cliff. I know oh. he's going he's to say he needs to, and I'm <laughs> sure that's why Cliff came for that. But that seems like in Clay Helton's history, it's hard for him to do. He kind of gets involved a little bit. How much will he separate oh. himself? And does he become that CEO type head coach or he lets his coordinators do what they want. You can't, you can't mess with that. Like that would be the disaster. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to build the tower, uh, bring uh, Bear Bryant's tower from Tuscaloosa, <laughs> and say that's where you are. The whole practice, you stay up there. That's how in the old days those guys would get up on the tower and they'd let their assistant coaches coach. It was, you know, their job was to coach the assistants, but the assistants' job was to coach the team. Right. And. Uh, Literally, you know, Bear Bryant was in that tower, and he, you know, very, uh, you know, only toward the end, he didn't come down that much. Uh, might not be a bad idea. Yeah. Got th- a lot of towers at USC. They can go up there and stand next to the, the camera. Yeah. I think we got YouTube working. I think it started. I don't know. We'll Did see. We? But okay. Is it working? or? No, I'm, I'm checking. I'll check it. Hopefully it's working. But sorry, I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on. But yes. It's working. It, there was a little option for me to start the stream on this side. I don't know. We're, we're playing with it. I think it changes. We're doing it all three platforms <laughs> is not the easiest thing in the world, but we're, we're trying it. So welcome, YouTube. Sorry that you came in a little bit late. We'll uh, make sure we upload the full version of it afterwards. But. So just to reiterate, this is not USC official. This is we. There's more reporting that broke about Cliff, but we haven't had official word from USC yet. No, we have not. Um, like when we, you know, a bunch of the USC outlets, people that cover the team, said that, you know, this was a, a deal was in place or, uh, you know, about to be signed, all that kind of stuff. And then some of the national reporters were, you know, getting pushback basically from Cliff King- Kingsbury's agent. Uh, there was some flirtation with the NFL. I think the NFL uh, reporters had to jump into the situation over the weekend. And they all, you know, wanted to have a little bit of, you know, a mini scoop. So they had to jump in and say, well, I think there's NFL interest here or there or wherever. Uh, that was mostly just... You know, just throwing that out there. The best situation always did seem to be like USC. He would have had to change like the direction of his career. I think he can end up in the NFL. And really, with the success of a Patrick Mahomes, who was not highly recruited when he went to Texas Tech, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury turned him into a superstar uh, or helped him become one. Uh, I mean, seeing his success, seeing Baker Mayfield doing well, who got benched while at Texas Tech by Cliff Kingsbury and then ended up going to Oklahoma and winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, those and he coached Johnny Manziel. He's been really good with quarterbacks, and uh, you, you've kind of seen that going through. But I think it would have really changed things. I, I, I get that there was NFL interest because it's more of a copycat league. You're seeing that kind of offense be successful. 
But even talk about him being like an NFL head coach to get fired. You're five and seven at Texas Tech, and I think you're 35 and 40 as the yeah. head coach. Um, and an NFL team is going to take you, you know, a week or so after you've been fired. Seems a little strange as, yeah. as a head coaching thing, but I could have seen an offensive coordinator deal. But this is going to work out well. It's always that adage like, hey, what's Chip Kelly going to do if you got, you know, the L.A. Basin talent? And uh, we'll see what's going on at UCLA. What will Cliff Kingsbury do with five-star wide receivers all over the place and, uh, and, and, and quarterbacks? And they're already here. So yeah, yeah, he, you don't have to he recruit could look, He could look at that first half of the Notre Dame game and say, ooh, this team could probably be pretty good. How many touchdowns would they have scored if Cliff Kingsbury would have been coaching that first half? It would not have been you know, the three-point game that it was. Uh, yes, he just has to figure out how to use what they've got uh, yeah. to begin with. And and that was always the case. I think uh, by the end of August, it was pretty obvious this was not going to be a run-first team, no matter how, how much they kept saying they wanted to yeah. be or how much they wanted to balance. You know, this. I, I think I wrote in August that if I were them, I'd line up and throw it and just throw it and throw it and throw it and figure out how to, you know, get those guys to pass block. And then take the run when it's there. But uh, but this was not going to ever be able to be a run first team. First of all, too many mistakes, too many penalties. Uh, this team can't sustain. They've got to strike and uh, just move the ball. Why they didn't ever play fast, I don't know. Uh, that was uh, so. That's one of the ch- uh, changes in culture: is just to come out and play fast yeah. with better athletes. Why, you know, slow the game down? It just made no sense at all that all year on offense you got guys just standing there looking over the you know, sideline instead of going tempo and just, just going after them. Yeah, it would be interesting. And, you know, to Keeley's point, how much, you know, meddling or whatever, I don't think you're bringing in a name like that. I don't think he would sign unless he was running the, the offense. We'll probably get some more details one they do once they make it official, and we hopefully get a press conference. Hopefully, we can finally get to talk to Lynn Swan about all this kind of stuff. Uh, but this was this is a change in the direction of the program, a change in the way the the way of doing business has not been to do something like this. So I think all the pushback that Lynn Swan got from the fan base, from the media, from everybody. I mean, national writers, one after another, writing stories about how this was a horrible, horrible decision. I think maybe if he didn't realize it going into that decision, yeah, I don't think he did. He realized it afterwards, and so his, you know, him and Clay Helton are tied to the hip. They're wagon and cart, you know, they're they're together. So the horse and wagon, not wagon and cart. Uh-huh. Um, they're they're together right now. So I think it's in Lynn Swan's best interest that Clay Helton comes out and does well, and so you want to give him all the weapons possible, and this is the biggest weapon you could get. You know, if I would have been the head coach with in Clay's situation, I would have meddled a lot more. I don't think he meddled enough in the offense last year. I mean, they ended up on third bounds, and they didn't know what who was going to call it, what call, what you know, what do we do? Uh, and this year, I mean, you know, just come up. What is your offense? Yeah. What are you trying to do? How are you try? And, and do you think you can change it every week? No. Um, so, so I don't know that, that Clay's a natural meddler. I just think he was put in a situation or put himself in a situation where everybody was sort of sort of meddling uh, uh, and, and not getting a right answer at all. Right. And, uh, so, so I think it'll be easy for him to step aside. I believe uh, how practices will be structured. I think is the big key. You know, how hard, how fast, how competitive, how... Uh, and this is what, when you've got a Cliff Kingsbury, can say, this is how we have to do it. This is how we do it. This is how we have to do it. Yeah. And the defensive, 
you know, it, it could well be good for the USC defense if they have to come out and play fast. Because they'll do that now on seven-on-seven, seven, where you get the best comp- competition of the day uh, at USC practices was the seven-on-seven seven stuff. But they don't play football seven-on-seven. Seven. It's not seven-on-seven. Seven. So if you could come out with that kind of competition with 11-on-11, 11 11, again, the seven-on-seven, seven, they went ones against ones very often. Do that with 11-on-11. 11 11. It doesn't mean you have to tackle people and knock them to the ground and all that. But you got to compete full speed and... Uh, that wasn't happening enough. Yeah. I think on both sides of the ball now, there's a system in place. I don't feel like there was some kind of offensive system there. We didn't know. You know, you call it the gumbo. You weren't sure exactly what was going on. Some people, you know, they, they like Clancy Pendergast or they don't. But I always felt like there was a plan, there was a system, and this is what they're going to do. Sometimes it would work well, and sometimes it would get exposed. I mean, whatever. But there was, you felt like there was... There was a, a script that they were following, something, some plan in place. They knew why they were doing things. I don't feel like you knew that on the offensive side. Whatever, whatever level of success Cliff Kingsbury has on the USC offense, it's going to be. There's going to be a, a direction, a plan. There's, they, they're going to be have an identity, and that's what this offense has lacked. At least it might work, it might not, but you're going to know what they're going to be trying to do, and they're just going to do it every week. That's the difficult thing was the one thing you really had control of is your offense. And if you go into every game not sure what exactly you're doing, what ex- and then you get it done in the first half, but you don't know what to do in the second half, uh, that was really frustrating. I mean, the defense naturally has to be somewhat reactionary, uh, but the, uh, the offense, you've got control of that. And everybody says, you know, you have to control what you can control. USC didn't control their offense. It looked like it was... Just out of control. Yeah. I mean, it, it did, and it didn't put points on the board. And that's how you win games with points. I mean, it's just, you know, to, to say, well, we we had, you know, to say, for example, we had two really good drives to start the second half. We didn't score on any of them. But, <laughs> but man, we had uh, 12 plays and 10, you know, and you think, what are you talking about? <laughs> we had two really good drives? No, yeah. you didn't. You didn't score. Yeah. This is a. Would you have some? Uh, I was about to say a snarky comment. I was just about to say, does this mean we can finally retire the idea of balance as an offensive yeah. identity? Because it never was. I <laughs> think I think they did that in the Notre Dame game without telling anybody. They just they realized they're not going to run the ball against Notre Dame, so they didn't. They didn't try. They did what they did really well. The problem there was Notre Dame said, "Uh oh, maybe we got to drop eight in the second half." So they drop eight. Well, if they're playing just three three down. You ought to be able to run the ball. But this team wasn't consistent enough that they could run it against Notre Dame's, you know, three guys down because they, you know, they would make mistakes or make the wrong call or not execute physical beats. Yeah. Man, that, if, physical if, beat. if somebody, yeah, uh, you should take that out. If I'm Lynn, I say, Clay, here's this, <laughs> here's, a, a, you know, an agreement for next year. You will never say physical beats. You'll never say balance, and you'll never say, uh, well, I guess situational mastery. Yeah. Of, situational mastery. And I think there's at least another one there. Maybe the love of my life of any, yeah, any, right. any other player or coach on the team. There needs to be a limit of how many times you can say, look at the tape. Like, once yeah. you get past six games, no more looking at the tape. Yeah. It's what you are what you are. Well, the thing, that the whole tape looking thing, the, the flaw there was, we're going to look at the tape on Sunday, and we're going to cur- find the mistakes and correct them. And I couldn't ever understand 
how do you correct mistakes on Sunday? The players, they're not technically even there. They don't practice much. You can't correct them until Tuesday at the very earliest. But to say we watch the tape and we're correcting the mistakes. What? How? There was always a sense of correcting cerebrally. Like it was more of a, a mental thing. Like even down to penalties. Penalties yeah. were a mental thing. It was yeah. like categorizing them. It was it was more like you're an accountant instead of a football coach. Or, or, you're, or you're that really bad high school teacher and you write it on the chalkboard and then you erase it. Penalties. <laughs> and then you put a draw a line through it. Okay, we corrected it. Really? <laughs> We, we addressed it in the meeting, so I assume all the penalties are going to go away. Yeah, yeah, we categorized I mean, them. Uh, yeah, the 18, whole penalty, ah. 18 penalties after Arizona, and it was like, we had a meeting, and they're, it's fixed. It's like, well, okay. and, and there were so many. We <laughs> had to put them in three different categories because right. you couldn't direct, you know, address all of them at once. Yes. So then we had three nice categories. And it's like how many face mask grabs would have you know, taken care of that as opposed to having meetings? But whatever. Okay. We'll yeah. get back to to Cliff. I, we have questions about him in the hairstyle okay. mailbag. The other thing that came out today was USC schedule. The Pac-12 schedules were released. Yes. USC has two Friday games and a tough out-of-conference schedule. What were your guys' initial thoughts? So this, okay, this is a little weird. The first six games are absolutely brutal. So you're talking about 11 and two Fresno State, who won the Mountain West, and Stanford at home. So this is a newly renovated Coliseum. So you open with those two games. Fresno State beat UCLA last year. They're a really good team. Coached by Jeff Tedford, former Pac-12 coach, and obviously Stanford early in the season. He might be auditioning for the USC job in that game. I, you know, I kind of feel he's going to stay yeah. in Fresno. Like he's, he's. I don't think he's like looking to the next job. But he, if, for the perfect opportunity, I think he would go. But Jeff Tedford turned that team one win two years ago, and they've won double digits the last two years. So absolutely amazing job by Fresno State. And they beat Boise at Boise to win the championship. In the snow on the blue turf, and that doesn't happen. So this is a legit team that USC is going to open the season with. Uh, you got to go rare uh, Provo-Utah trip. I think they went in the 90s, and I went to that. Um, And so that was scheduled in 2013. I don't really like the way it was scheduled because they scheduled a, a road game the same year as Notre Dame. But all three, uh, the, the games are odd years, so that must have been when BYU had openings. Mm-hmm. But there's two home games. So USC gets BYU in 2021 <laughs> and 23. But uh, th- away in 2019, and the same year you played Notre Dame away, is tough, you know. So that I, I think that one's that's par- partially on USC. Uh, but then you got to go on the road. You come back. You play Utah on a Friday night uh, in the Coliseum. You then, So they won the Pac-12 South. Then... You play the Pac-12 North winner and Pac-12 winner in Washington and Seattle on the road. You get a bye week, and then, oh, you go play college football playoff team Notre Dame on the road. So those first six games are going to be absolutely brutal. And there are, like Keely said, there's two Friday games. So you got to go on the road to Colorado. Uh, so going to Boulder in late October. Yep. Um, nine of the 12 teams you're playing uh, are or bowl teams in 2018. So that's pretty brutal. And the, the weird thing now is with the, the schedule extended by a week, most teams have two bye weeks. Just like 2017, USC's bye week, or one of them, is at the very end of the season. So UCLA is the, the UCLA game at home is the, uh, November 23rd. A lot of teams are playing on November 30th. USC is not. So if USC makes the Pac-12 championship game, they get a bye before that, which obviously helped them uh, in 2017. But if not, you just get an open date at the end of the the schedule, but for me, the five Saturday home games is the biggest problem. Part of that's on USC because they put BYU and Notre Dame in the same year, but part of it's on the Pac-12 putting that Friday Utah game. Uh, when you have the newly renovated Coliseum, 
I think you want as many Saturday games as you can. USC limited by one playing BYU, but then the Pac-12 took one away as well. Yeah, I mean, I I would never use the word brutal if you're playing a Pac-12 <laughs> fair, schedule. Fair. I, absolutely, that word would not be in the vocabulary. Uh, they are Pac-12 teams, right? Okay, it's not brutal. Uh, it's challenging. I like it. I think they need a challenging schedule. I think that's, you know, we, we grew up with USC football in the Pete Carroll era on road games and challenging road games. And they loved going to those stadiums yeah. and beating people. That was the best feeling of all. That was way better than home games. Those were way better than home games. So I think they ought to, you know, rise to the challenge. I think USC, I mean, they ought to join the big boys like Ohio State, Michigan, who when the Big Ten said, you know, we're thinking about playing Friday games, Ohio State and Michigan said, we're not. No. Forget it. Don't even come near us with that stuff. USC should do that. They were in Los Angeles. We're in the middle of town. We're not playing um, uh, Friday night games. I'm yeah. sorry. We're not. We're just not. Forget it. Put us off the schedule. And, 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 and you know, just tell the Pac-12, we won't do it. You know, don't make the schedule. And, uh, you know, you stand up to Larry Scott, for God's sake. I mean, you know, how hard is that? But nobody at USC wants to do that. I mean, but that's not for USC as a team. That's for USC's fans. That's not fair yeah. to USC's fans. You know, they drive all, you know, a lot of them all the way, you know, all over Southern California trying to get there for a Friday night game is not, is not fair to USC's yeah, fans. Yeah, the people coming like from San Diego who'd make the trip all the time, yeah. like, you're skipping work that day. Yeah. You know? And so, so I think there are those issues. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you play a Friday night game the week before you go to Seattle, the advantage is you got an extra day to get ready for, for the game. Yeah. So, you know, if you got a Friday night home game, fine in terms of competitive situations. I think USC should look at everything competitively and say, look, we're, we're USC. Come on. We're going to, you know, be able to, and they do get a bye before Notre Dame, which I think is going to be the, you know, the biggest challenge, but you make Notre Dame adjust to you. Notre right. Dame struggled a little bit to adjust to USC. Had USC played, uh, you know, kind of error-free uh, football, they, Notre Dame's adjustments wouldn't have been in time. USC would have beaten Notre Dame. They don't, you know, drop the ball a couple of times and, and you know, commit some of the penalties. Uh, so uh, so I, I don't know that Notre Dame will have played somebody like USC. And, uh, you know, you look at the schedule and you say, we can set the tone for a new USC football program Completely. in the first half of the season. Yeah. We can set it, We can, you know, as, as much as we don't like the Pac-12, you use the Pac-12. You say, we're going to be in the championship game every year. We're going to win the South every year. Uh, you know, I think the next USC coach that uses, loses to UCLA should be, that should be his last game. I mean, <laughs> if you use, lose to UCLA, you don't walk off the field. It's in the contract. You, yeah, I mean, uh, you give up 300 and some yards on the ground to UCLA, you really don't walk off the field if no. you're the defense coordinator. I mean, this is what, so kind of frustrating with USC right now is you don't show up for UCLA and then you show up for Notre Dame the next week. And, you know, the defense does arrive. Well, where were they the week before? Yeah. The UCLA game. I mean, so I just think this is a schedule where you, it's not about, you know, the other team. The, the way USC was so good is it was always about USC. So we don't care where we're playing you, when we're playing you, you got to play us. We're going to do our thing. I think that's where Kingsbury really does help. They will have a thing to do. Yeah. For a couple of years, USC's thing was, man, I hope Sam Darnold does something here. <laughs> 
Other than that, what was UFC's thing? Right. That was it. And then he left. And everything went with him. And the one thing about the schedule, uh, I mean, it's USC, so it's usually you're going to get some sort of uh, boost anyway. But with Cliff Kingsbury coming on, with the kind of schedule USC has, if they make some kind of run and they beat, you know, the first four or five teams, they're going to be like in the top two or three in the country probably at that point because they're, they've played this really good schedule and their, their offense would be exciting. You can be relevant. It's not like Washington State where you're, 10 and one and hoping for a whole bunch of breaks in front of you. Like if somehow USC puts it all together and they go from five and seven to like really freaking good, they're going to be in every conversation that you would want at national level. And that's, they haven't been nationally relevant. Now you got to win those games. You lose a bunch of those games. It doesn't really matter, but it's set up that if you win, you're going to be important again. Yeah. And you got a chance with, uh, you know, people will know how, uh, how good Fresno has become and they will know, you know, Stanford is Stanford. Where they're not as good as they've been. They're probably not going to be as good as they've been. But you beat Stanford. You get them at home. You ought to beat Stanford. You ought to beat Brigham Young. I mean, you just keep showing up and playing. And uh, you get Utah at home, uh, you know, next year. So you got a real chance to, to get some momentum, uh, some momentum going. And, you know, the focus, again, is on USC, not who you're playing. Yeah. That, that, this was the... The characteristics that they got from Lane and Sark were the, the coaching was, well, you know, we'll come up with this really cool thing that we're going to, you know, come up with this week. And then next week we'll come up with something else. But it'll show how smart we are as coaches to come <laughs> up with something to counter instead of come up with something for the whole year and just do it and yeah. do it better than they can do. To, they can stop you. And uh, that was that's who, who Clay learned under. Uh, you know, uh, Lane and Sark, and uh, they were more of a counter puncher. Let's try, but it wasn't the same every week. So you you had you were constantly changing what you did because of what the other team did. Right. Instead of doing what you do, yeah. Kingsbury will do what he does. That's such a change in in thinking. Yeah, huge change. And I mean, you want to talk about changing the culture? I think that's going to do it. Um, so we don't. There's a lot, we're getting a lot of Periscope questions about who they're going to hire. Is this guy who they? You know, this was the big domino that needed to fall. We already talked about that. There's probably going to be some more changes because you're bringing in someone that has his own system and, and probably wants to have a lot of his own guys. So we'll see. We still don't even have the official announcement yet. Uh, I think Joey Kaufman. We you know, we email uh, sports information and they're saying that um, you know no announcements been made. Like yes, we know no announcements been made, but when will it be made? People are asking that. We're not really sure. So. Uh, it's you know then now that you know it's definitely been agreed upon and that's where the direction they're going now it's really contract stuff and make sure everything gets signed and all that and then when they ever want to release it so we'll see about that I mean the the downside now is if it doesn't happen you know the losses to Notre Dame and UCLA will look like nothing yeah if no, they don't get Kingsbury now I mean I mean that, that, like the implosion yeah. would be. You know, forget the then you know it would be an internal mess up of oh epic God. proportions. Yeah, what's all going to? I think on? they cleared all the the outside influences or hurdles and things, and now uh, it's just make sure you get the ink they, to dry. They're in a position right now that Kingsbury and company could demand almost anything, <laughs> and you would say, "Yeah, whatever you want." All right. Uh, do we have so questions? So just let the people know this was our normal Peristyle podcast time. Uh, Keely and I were going to be in studio. We thought Dan was going to be calling in. 
Uh, but Dan came. So we're like, oh, let's try to broadcast it live. So that's why we're doing this at the last uh, sort of minute. So we're still a Peristyle podcast, but so we're going to answer some podcast questions, I think. Yeah, it's it's a, uh, a hybrid of the Peristyle yeah. podcast and yeah. Tunnel Vision. Uh, but we have a question from Troy Trojan who says, Cliff Kingsbury may be offensive coordinator. Great. So now they may have a schematic advantage. A new scheme is like 15th on the list. How is that going to work when the play can't start because the O-line gets a false start? Or wide receivers are running into each other because they were not paying attention in install? Or the running back fumbles on slight contact? Or your tight ends can't block on the edge because they have no upper body strength because your strength and conditioning coach does not think that's important? Or, or, or. Uh, he says the fish rots from the head. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy it's an easy case to make, and it, it, it's not the wrong case necessarily. Uh, I don't think you can do what Kingsbury wants to do unless you do it enough in practice at you know the at game tempo, game speed. So I think that gets them past some of this. Uh, I think they will limit the things they're going to ask their offensive linemen to do. So I think that gets them to a better place than trying to ask them to be able to you know. Yeah. Do all every block that you need done. You know you're going to limit it and say, look, we know we've got some limitations. Uh, so I think that gets you ahead of the game. You're right, but I think they need, and this is we haven't gotten to this yet. I think they need a dedicated uh, head of strength and conditioning who looks like that guy at Alabama, yeah. or who looks like that guy at Notre Dame. That was the first thing they did at Notre Dame. Is Brian Kelly had had his uh, long time from decades, uh, you know, back coaching buddy. And he said, you know, maybe this isn't for you. And they got a new strength and conditioning guy uh, who they gave the game ball to after the USC game. That's how much that guy meant to him. Wow. So I think if you've got a situation at USC where they're responsible for all 21 sports, I think you need someone who's football, 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 football. That's all he does. That's all he cares about. And same thing for nutrition. This whole... You know, we're in it for everybody. And, uh, you know, no, you're not. you got to hear somebody that's doing football. Football and, uh, say, lacrosse, that's not the same deal. Yeah. You've got to get it right with football. you got to find out. I would just think they would, you know, they said Notre Dame. They brought up Notre Dame. What does Notre Dame do for um, uh, nutrition? Go and find out the, how much do they spend, how many people do it, how how much are is the, uh, you know, the whatever the facility that they've got that does it, how how many hours is it open a day? How much access do the players have to it? All that. USC has to do that. They just have to do that. So that's, you know, it's not one thing, but it's it's the one. See, I don't think it was the 15th most. I think the offense was the biggest problem yeah. of all this year if you had to pick out one part of the, the team. Obviously, those other things went into the right. offense. But I think if you cure the offense, you cure a lot of ills. Yeah. And this is team. more than it's not just switch, switching playbooks. This is more than that. This is changing. You're you're installing a system. You're bringing in, and we talked about this a million times. You're bringing in a guru. You're bringing in someone who learned from the altar of people that were geniuses as far as offense goes. And Clay Hilton didn't have that. He was learning from like Sark and Kiffin, where they didn't learn that either. Like people say, well, Norm Chow. Like, well, they didn't learn. They weren't running Norm Chow's offense. They were running what the, the flavor of the day was. I mean, that what people were using, just trying to run it without someone that, that grew up with it or, or created it, teaching them that. And this is this is from that tree of this air raid kind of system that he's adopted to his own. He's been very effective. So I think you're changing more than just the playbook. And we also talked about that too. I'm no strength and conditioning expert. I can't tell you 
if Ivan Lewis is the best or the worst, I don't I have no idea. But if you want to talk about changing the culture, he is the guy, and that group is with the players more than anybody, than the coaches. That seems like a place to, if you want to make a change, if you're really talking about changing the culture, that's such a big part of it that you almost would have to change that. Yeah, and it, it might be you just say, you don't have to do it for the other 20 sports. You just do it for football. And you get somebody out, you know, the rest of them will take the other 20 sports. But you don't make that person also be responsible for all the sports yeah. or whatever. However, you just change the focus. Uh, you know, the same thing with, you know, with nutrition where you, you don't have to, you know, the same person who's doing football doesn't have to be planning uh, for women's soccer, let's say. You, know, you, you just focus on it and you spend the money, uh, you know, on whatever it takes. I mean, you, if you're going to want to compete and talk about competing with Notre Dame, you got to do what Notre Dame does. I mean, they're a private school. They're not as big as USC. Uh, you have to say, if that's what it takes, that's what we're going to do. And you, you just do it. Uh, do they want to, though? I feel like we, we see a reluctance. From well, the other thing I think is, this is one of the reasons I was sort of infatuated with, say, a Bob Stoops, if he decided to come out of, out of retirement, is he doesn't come here and say, well, could we do this? Well, would it be possible? No, he says, this is what you do. Yeah. And Cliff Kingsbury, this is what you do. This is how you do it. He's not like asking for permission to be able to do that. Or, you know, a guy like Stoops would say, no, no, no. This is how many guys you got to have in, in the recruiting support right. staff. Yeah. This is, and you don't ask. You just say, well, it's USC, right? You guys are going to do what you say you're going to do, right? Well, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. You don't. Ask for permission. No, and I think there's a decent chance of that happening, Keeley, because uh, what we talked about earlier with Lynn Swan, the kind of outrage that he saw from this, he needs to. He knows he needs to make this successful to make him look better. I mean, this is he's he's riding with with Clay Helton. So if they only have three or four guys on the recruiting support staff, and and Clay's like, hey, we need more, or if Kingsbury comes in and says this is stupid, we had twice as many at Texas Tech, um, then it's like. How could you say no at that point? You're like you're you really are tied to the success of Clay Helton. So my guess is he's going all in, and they're they're, they're going to spend money on Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to have to spend money everywhere too. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't think he asked for permission anymore. Yeah, and, just, and, and Clay just says we're doing it too. I think we, we, you just have to, you know. And if Clay can spend more time doing that, you know, saying you know these are the priorities. I mean, as much as we kind of got nervous about Lane Kiffin. Lane had a, a book that was that thick, his, his plan. And, you know, the big part of Lane's plan was he knew they were going to be really low in scholarship. Yeah. And we had all the, Lane was a really good, that was a good plan. And it was a good, you know, I mean, Lane wasn't necessarily always the right guy to get it done because he, you know, he shot himself in the foot as many times as he could. But he had a plan and he, he didn't ask for permission. He just said, this is what we have to do. And I think that's how you have to run the USC program. And I think the fact that uh, Lynn had no idea what was going to hit him after he made the call and the no. way he did it the last few weeks. And one of the problems at USC is there was no one whispering in his ear saying, Lane, or Lynn, excuse me, that's not going to go over well. Yeah, That's really going to come back. And nobody, there is no one at USC that usually is there to tell you, can't do that. There, that really isn't going to work. Yeah. And so 
he ha you have to get you know hit in the face after something like that. But you need that sometimes. You know, oh, like you we, we all get in our own little worlds, and and you just think that everyone's thinking like you do. Well, they, uh, you're in a bubble. If you're at USC right now in some sort of you know administrative, you're you're kind of in a bubble until you really somebody comes and smacks you and bursts the bubble, yeah. which has happened three or four times in the last year at all different th you know levels for USC. But it's happening in football yeah. and. Uh, I mean, we, I mean, we've seen that in the Pac-12 with Larry Scott, where you know he's uh, preaching from the, you know, and, and the people around him are, are, you know, keeping that same message. And then when he goes up on stage, he just gets booed. Like, you know, I think there's this, I, the, there's this protection there. And I, you know, Lin Swan's a person. He hasn't been in this position ever before. I mean, I don't know how many people have ever told Lin Swan no before. Like he's, he's probably never had to create a resume and got it. I mean, he's the there's voters so in Pennsylvania did. They did tell him that. Yes, um, <laughs> he may not have listened to them either. But this is, you know, he's he's someone that's just been successful at everything right. his whole life. This is this is obviously a different story. And um, yes, you're a Hall of Famer and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you got to listen to other people around you. And I don't think he did. And that it looks like he's getting the message now because they're changing. This is a change in direction of how they've done things. So I'll give them credit for that. I mean, we we can pan out all, a lot of these decisions and stuff, but there seems like, at least right now, they're they're going all in on this. And uh, I, I think USC was close. Like they were five and seven, but they're still more talented than everybody. If you just make fix a few things, you're going to get a lot better. And this potentially could make them a lot better. And I do think USC is different in, in some ways. For example, I would guess. Even if you throw in all the big Southeastern Conference schools, I'm not sure that any one of those has had back-to-back -back athletic directors who belong to the Masters Club. You know? <laughs> How many schools had you know, overlapping athletic directors, both had memberships at Augusta? I don't know that that... How many... You know, USC. that's a requirement. Like, play football at USC and be a member of Augusta as your... Be a national you know, broadcaster, and then uh, and you get into Augusta. And that puts you in a little bit of a different place. And if everybody around you is not telling you that's not going to go well, right? then you just proclaim, you know, as, as Lynn did on that, uh, you know, Tuesday night, uh, what, 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 the radio show. Oh. He just proclaimed to the USC fans what they should do. No, they have other options. And one of the things I think when you look at the schedule, people have options now not to buy season tickets. Because they can say, I'm not going to that game on Friday night, not going to this game, uh, I don't care about that one, and I'll go to StubHub or SeatGeek or whoever, and I'll buy tickets for UCLA and Notre Dame or whatever, and maybe I'll go to a road game or two. But they don't have to buy season tickets. No. So you got to be really good to get people to invest, you know, and then, then they got to pay the extra $3,000, you know, sort of a seat license deal, a renovation uh uh, tax or whatever, uh, you got to be really good to ask people to do that, especially when they're getting you know jack you know jerked around with these schedules. Yeah, and you go to the Rams, you can go to the Chargers. They're both like you know two of the best teams in the NFL right now. So there's a lot going on. UCLA's on the rise. So or the, you had to make or the Dodgers are going to the World Series every fall. Yeah, and you got LeBron. You know, practice is starting. You know, with the Lakers. The Clippers, I think, it's still have the best record in the Western yeah, Conference, yeah. Like, yeah. or did you know? Looking pretty good. Eight, he picked the wrong year to go five and seven. Right, and I think you kind of realize that, and the, and the donors and the the, the non renewals and all those things. I think that all has had an impact. So maybe he was it was tone deaf for sure the way he was speaking to everyone, but I think you're he's the message seems to be getting in there at least. I mean, now. the hardest thing at USC is 
even if somebody knows they need to tell you this, that might require them to change what they're doing and how they do it. And people are really comfortable at USC <laughs> right now, you know? I mean, do you get a sense there's an edge about yeah. how do we compete? How do, I, I mean, that was the, the, you felt really good about Notre Dame. And I know this is, you know, USC fans don't want to hear that. I like it that Notre Dame decided we're not going to accept this. We're going to turn things around. We're going to work hard. We're going to get better. And we're going to compete, compete, compete. That's great. That's what it's all about. USC, we, didn't, we haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Uh, we have multiple questions uh, asking what does this mean for the quarterback situation? Do you think Cliff will come in and, and declare an open battle, or is JT still the guy? Uh, JT's still the guy, but you ought to, you ought to have a battle. I mean, uh, obviously Jack Sears uh, came through in the Arizona State game, uh, 20 or 28 or whatever, and uh, – you want you want to have a couple of guys as Alabama proved. You better have a couple of guys yeah. who can play and uh, and give Jack you know a, a really good year next year I think, and then with the ability to you know transfer if he wants as a grad student if Jack can get his you know degree and then have two years somewhere else. But uh, but I think I think you know I wouldn't be you know like well we're gonna just take it away from JT. Uh, I think he's perfect for what they try to do, what you know uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to try to do. I yeah, mean, he, he's he's the sling, gunslinger who can make all the throws, and uh, it wasn't his fault in a lot of ways that they didn't do they didn't take advantage of all his skill set uh, this year. And then there were other things you would like to see. Uh, he learned a little. It's hard to learn it though if you're constantly trying to play the goalie. And knock the you know knock the snap down. Uh, I think Kingsbury, for example, will have the ability to go in August and say that guy's not snapping the ball to my quarterback. I want my quarterback to be able to put his hands there and watch the field every single play. I don't want him to have to turn his head ever. And that didn't happen this year. Yeah. And you, you go in and say, I don't care if he's the love of your life or not. He's not centered on my offense. It, those little things, I think you know, make a big difference. And uh, I, I don't think that will happen this year. No, and I, I think whoever Cliff Kingsbury wants to be the quarterback will be the quarterback. I mean, he sat Baker Mayfield, who ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. So if you can bench a Heisman Trophy winner, he can certainly bench whoever the heck he wants. Um, my guess is, like Dan said, I think it, it'll be JT Daniels. But, you know, who knows? If he sees something in Jack Sears or Matt Fink that he really likes, I, I don't see him anyone stopping him from from doing that. Uh, so we got a question from Nick, and he notes how we didn't actually get to talk to Dan last week when everything went down with the coaching purge. He wants to know, Dan, were you surprised uh, by who was fired and who was kept? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense just by itself. I mean, if you said USC was five and seven, let's get rid of T Martin and BKU. You go, what? What's the connection <laughs> there? I mean, that was the problem. I mean, so I don't know if we knew what the plan. My one guess was the plan was maybe to take all the defensive people out and leave Johnny Nansen for recruiting and and what have you, but that basically you would have a, an entirely new defense. And somehow, maybe the person they thought they could get, they couldn't get, who maybe wanted to bring some of his own people here. And so Clancy is, is still there. It didn't make. It doesn't look like it's a part of a big picture uh, exactly. Now you could say, well, BKU and T. Martin maybe have the ability 
to go somewhere else, and both of them have indicated that might be the case. Uh, so, uh, but no, uh, there has to be more of a plan here. Now, yeah. if you wanted to say, we really think we were going to get Kingsbury, therefore, you probably don't want somebody like T who would still have, you know, I was the offensive coordinator, now I'm whatever. And you might want to say to, the, um, to Kingsbury coming in, you get to completely redo the offense. Yeah. That would be more my thinking. Where that leaves Drevno, uh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of guessing he's going to bring in maybe his guy or someone that's familiar with the air raid is for the offensive line. That's what I would guess. And I don't think you're going to leave Drevno at, at running backs. Um, for sure not. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and coaching at Michigan without a quarterback is probably not a way to get you ready to coach the offensive line in the air raid. I'm yeah. just thinking that's... So, so we'll see. So I, I, I'm assuming, Nick, there's going to be some more changes. So we got multiple questions about this. Dan, what do you say to fans who are concerned that USC will basically be, will basically become Washington State 2.0 with an air raid type offense? Well, uh, it'll, it'll be that with, with better players. I mean, that's the, uh, the advantage USC's got is... Uh, uh, certainly better, they'll have better access to receivers. They'll have better running backs who can make plays on their own, and they should have a better quarterback, although, you know, who knows? Washington State does it with, you know, they turn Gardner Minshew into a really good, really, really good quarterback. They turn uh, the Texas Tech kids into really good quarterbacks, and you're not getting the best, you know, kids in the country uh, to go to Texas Tech. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. With, uh, with, uh, with a JT Daniels and, and Cliff Kingsbury, if they, <clears throat> you know, yeah. go together. Every um, quarterback he touches is gets way better, you know. And uh, I'm sure I don't know that he had anybody like an Almond Raw coming in as a freshman, and you know how many programs in the country did. Uh, so I, I look at that. I don't care. You know, you talk about Washington State. I mean, people in the NFL now are running a lot of the air raid concepts yeah. and that. So. I just think it's it's going. It also makes sense in terms of the kind of players you can recruit. I mean, we've seen where the talent base at USC has gone over the years. I mean, I thought it was the SEC was getting crazy when uh, they realized that you had um, Robert Woods and um, Marquise Lee. I'm trying to think of the other kid uh, was an all-world five-star. Oh, George Farmer. George Farmer. Those guys could have taken a bus. From, you know, like 20 minutes away and come to the USC campus. There were more five-star receivers within a bus ride of USC's campus than maybe in the whole SEC. And it was like, this isn't fair. It's just the way it is in yeah. Southern California. There's a lot so of receivers. Yeah. If you've got those guys and you've got the quarterbacks and you don't have the offensive linemen, so it doesn't make sense. I mean, the other night coming out of the, the Notre Dame game and looking at uh, Ron Yeri, 71, 72 years old, he's more scary looking right now than any offensive lineman USC's got. I mean, he, I don't know where those guys went. Yeah. They're not here anymore. If you don't know, he's an Outland Trophy winner, blocked for O.J. Simpson for his Heisman Trophy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the first. Well, no, I think the first year for him, but he was the first pick of the NFL draft. First Outland Trophy winner on the West Coast. And then USC just was getting all the, you know, the Anthony Munozes, all these six, 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 seven guys who could run and, Good, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't see him. 
But for the question, too, it's not this isn't going to be don't look at the run pass ratio of Washington State. It's more it's more of a not balance for the sake of balance, but there is a lot more running of the football in this. So it's yes, it's spreading everything out and they can throw the ball over the field. But there there's a lot more running involved than what you're seeing from Mike Lee. So it's it's definitely been adopted, at least what Cliff Kingsbury has been running at Texas Tech. Yeah. And, and 10 and 2, you know, Washington State wasn't all that bad. They get beat in the snow. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, uh, they're in Pullman. Uh, and uh, USC was allowed that game to kind of play Washington State's game. And I ended up with three more points and, you know, blocked the kick at the end. But uh, uh, USC ought to be able to do that better than Washington State can do it. And if it works for Washington State, it ought to work for USC better. Yeah. Uh, so while we were on the air, the Pac-12 actually released uh, their all-Pac-12 conference football team. Okay. The only USC player to make it was Shumadoga, who made it on the second team offense. Wow. So no first or second team all academic uh, Trojans, which is kind of sad. If you're not doing that well, you should at least have some smart guys on the team. But they haven't uh, done well for a while there. They've had very few academic people in USC. Sorry, and then second team defense is Port Augustine, J2 Fele, Cameron Smith, and Iman Marshall. So some second teamers, but no defense. first team on okay. defense. Yeah, yeah. It's funny for Port Augustine to play half the year. <laughs> And uh, still have I mean, seven sacks. Like that was he was in the clubhouse with a pretty big number. It was going to be hard yeah. for anyone. I don't know like, who led the the nation or who led the the conference. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, because I think it might still be Port Augustine. Like, he was. Yeah, he was. He was like a month after yeah. he was out. Uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but uh, it was it was spread out more. <coughs> like a team like Washington, they got more uh, guys that were had like a bunch of guys having sacks as opposed to one or two and. For, <laughs> so Port Augustine ended 2018 with the third most sacks in the Pac-12, and okay. he was out for half of half the of season. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, who were the other? Do you have the other uh, two there? Bradley and I of Utah. Yeah. With eight uh, eight sacks, and so he just got it. And they had played an extra game. I think he got one in the championship game. Okay. And then Mutasafa or Muta- the Colorado. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was second. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's some tough. Uh, some tough names. Porter is easier to pronounce there, but yeah, that's so. That's not. That's another, not good either. Uh, another, One uh, another, second team uh, offensive player. All the five stars USC has on that side of the ball, and they have, that's that's why hiring Cliff Kingsbury is a big deal. It's an offense designed when you don't have as good of players as your opponent, and what everyone wants to know is, well, what if you get the best players that you assume USC has? What will this offense do? I mean, I think it's one of the reasons he's here. Like, and we assume he's going to be here because we're assuming what the people at USC are assuming right now. We're assuming he's on board. Yeah. Uh, but ninetieth uh, and scoring like to, is not good enough. Like, there's no way. That, yeah, just, there is not. There is no way we can say how bad the USC offense was this year. It was awful. I mean, it was the worst coach group. I mean. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't T. Martin, like the people are like, you should fire T. Martin. He was not the, he didn't call the plays the last month of the season. It was still awful. Like it just, it was the design. It was, it was not a well-conceived offense. Well, and then on top of it, they practiced poorly. Yeah. Okay. So you, you didn't put it together well, and then you practiced it badly. Well, what's left? Yeah. Or they had no game plan afterwards. Because we saw, we saw some games where the first script that they had, the first drive of the game, they looked great. Yeah. And then afterwards, it was like, hmm, and that's what they did in practice. They had one thing ready, and then, 
No adjustments, really. Yeah. Nothing else. So, I mean, we had multiple questions. I know Dan has mentioned that it's almost a, a guarantee that if Cliff comes, practice will be hard, harder. But people say, can you really say that? What if Clay keeps it'll be the... I think it'll be faster. It'll be more competitive. Uh, will they hit anymore? I don't know. I mean, I think by accident, people will run into one another more. Uh, but uh, I just think if they come out and be more competitive, uh, which I think they will because they have to do that on offense because they've got to get all those concepts down. They've got to keep running them and running them and running them so they don't have to think about it. I mean, USC was a team that spent a lot of time thinking about stuff, thinking about getting rid of the penalties, thinking about what am I supposed to do on this defense, Mr. Clancy? If I screw up, are they going to score a long touchdown? Well, yes, son, they are. <laughs> the other 10 will be right, but if you make a mistake... Boom, they're gone. And uh, so there was a lot of thinking going on, and you want to eliminate that. So practice, I think, will be better just because it has to be for, for Kingsbury's offense to be, you know, ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. But it would be Step hard to right imagine direction, you, you would, you know. You, and then it was hard to imagine you could sabotage this offense right. this year, no matter what, as badly as they did. And they did. This doesn't fix everything, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And that's that's what you want. There, there's probably more coming. I don't think this is it, but this is a, this was a big move. You saw across town, you saw UCLA get the guy that Florida wanted and uh, you know, all the SEC schools, they wanted Chip Kelly and UCLA got him. UCLA hadn't done this stuff like that before. USC really hadn't either. And now they're doing it. So uh, you know, maybe the Chip Kelly hire... And losing the UCLA inspired this. Like, hey, we have to go out and get the people. We're getting somebody. This is what I always say. Like, what does he have any ties to USC? Does he know the fight song? No. Is he really good at his job? Yes. That's all well, I've ever said. I hit the, <laughs> a footnote there. He does have a really big tie to USC. Arash Markazi. Okay. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's buddies with Matt Leiter, too, I think. Okay. Um, but this, that's all you have to do. It's just not that hard. Like, go hire somebody who's good at their job. What was the, uh, was it the, the Departed is a great one. I think it's like uh, Marky Mark is in there. He's like, oh, who are you? I, so, I can't remember the line, but it's like, I'm the guy that's good at my job. You must be the other guy. You know, like that's what you, USC has been getting the other guy and you want Marky Mark, the guy that's good at his job. Cliff Kingsbury is good at his job. Just go hire that guy. I'm not saying every time you do it, it's going to work. But you have a much better chance of success if you hire the good guy than the hope guy, you know. And this is not a hope guy. This is a good guy. You got that's another word you got to not say. Hope, hope yeah. Hope, hope, <laughs> hopefully, no, no. Hopefully, we'll have a few meetings and everything will work. Yeah. Like now. Yeah. Well, considering the alternative, USC could not have Cliff and be stuck with some USC retread, but. It's not. Or USC could just done well enough where you don't see major changes. You know, if, right. if 2017, if it was like seven and five, would Clay Helton be forced to make big changes? I don't know if we would see that. I mean, I've said this in the past week is the big thing this offseason is if this coaching staff will take a hard look at themselves. And Dan and I have talked about it and, been, and be realistic about what is wrong and what went wrong yeah. and how they can but, fix it. But there's the other the word that should be. Uh, a factor now, reality. Yes. And reality-based coaching staff. Because you would talk and and they would tell you that the run game was better than it was or this week it was. Okay, we had three straight games where it wasn't, but 
this week I thought we really no. Uh, I think they have to make reality-based decisions. Cliff Kingsbury is a reality-based well, decision about where this football program is. Yeah. We have, I have one comment on uh, Periscope. Let me get it sure. real quick. He said, uh, this is from US, USC, USC, go. Instead of beating a dead horse, let's talk about recruiting next season, etc. I mean, it hasn't been signed yet. Like, this hasn't even physically happened yet. So it's not, I don't know how we're beating a dead horse when this is just the reports are coming out now. This is the biggest news that the most positive that people have been around USC football basically all season. So this is this is a, a big deal. And USC fans want to know, is this going to be the changes that need uh, to be made? I don't think it's enough, but I think it's a, just by doing this, you're going to be a much better team next and year. And I, I, recruiting can't fall off, but USC's got enough young talent that they got to coach them up and really get better on the field. If you had to take a break and say you're not going to have a top four, top five class one year, this might be the year to do it. Uh, you know, I don't know that you should ever do that, but uh, I think the focus can't be there. The focus has been on on the recruiting and been about the only focus yeah. the last few years. And what what's the payoff there? There hasn't been a payoff because their program wasn't good enough for the recruits. Now make the program good and You've got enough talent in the pipeline right now at USC. Whatever you get this year is kind of a bonus, but I don't. I don't. I mean, know Cliff will help on the recruiting trail for sure. Like right now, they've got you know. So you see, like the pictures, like Gavin Morris is out there, Lenny Vandermaid. Um, I mean, just any so, you know, Eric Ziskin, like support staff people are out there on the road. So once you fill up the staff, you'll and get that a little bit. John Baxter. And Clancy Pendergast is like, whoa, Bro, yeah, look who's in that picture. You know, you, you widen out you the picture and normally. you say, whoa, when did I last see one of those guys? But now you get like, so that picture with, uh, you know, Gavin Morris would Instagram out like him playing dominoes or something on a, a private plane. Well, now Cliff Kingsbury's on that plane. It's going to be a little bit different, too, when you're. So I, I think, you know, I think you, I don't recruiting's not going to be hurt by this. I think it'll certainly help. And you wanted to get something done as quickly as you can because. December 19th is the early signing period. So you still got two weeks left uh, for that. And uh, I, I think I think this definitely helps. All right, without a doubt. I mean, it says we're not going to accept what just happened. Yeah. And you have to, you can't just say that. Nobody will believe you. You've got to actually do something that says we're not accepting that. And we're doing something that's going to force us to change. And even though we're USC, we're going to, you know, we're going to change some things. I don't want them to put names on the back of the jerseys uh, or, or wear black socks, but change. Black socks. God uh, forbid. Change black some of the socks. coaches is fine with me. Yeah. Um, we've reached the top of the hour. Any final thoughts you guys want to add to our simulcast? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for everyone tuning in and everything. We had a, uh, Looks like a bunch of people. Wow. We got, yeah. YouTube came on strong afterwards. Like, <laughs> we had like almost 300 people like, for a late thing. So, um, yeah, uh, the podcast people, thank you for, for listening. Sorry, it was a the little patience. a little weirder. Uh, maybe the sound's going to be different because we're using different microphones and everything. Um, and thanks for the people that are watching live or anyone watching the replay. But these, I think we'll try to do these more. When, we'll, you know, maybe not take five minutes to plan it, you know. But, <laughs> um, but I think overall this is as critical. I've been as critical as anybody. Um, I think this the is good positive, thing was... Though. Literally everybody was critical. Yeah. It wasn't just us. It wasn't just, you know, we were on an island. Uh, who didn't get critical? Right. 
I mean, nationally, locally, whatever, it, it was a total wipeout. And, uh, but even if this fell through, this was, to me, some people are like, oh, it would be a disaster. Like, yeah, but it was a shift in the way, just the way you would do business, like to actually go after the biggest name out there instead of promoting a graduate assistant or going and get somebody from Western Kentucky or something like that's not this. Like that was, this is a much different move. This is all you would ask is just try to act like USC. Well, try USC, to get someone that's at the USC caliber. And they USC haven't been doing USC has that. been so risk averse. I mean, they just didn't want to take a chance. They didn't want to go out on that limb because somebody might saw it off. You know right. I mean? Oh, yeah. So they were... You know, You're afraid like, of being told no. Yeah. Know? And so, this, you know, give them credit for that. I mean, to this, say this, the least. It's a, it's a big move. And uh, I know, I mean... And people are talking about, well, is he going to be like the the head coach and waiting? And so I, I, I don't. It's hard to picture what's going to happen, but I don't necessarily see that. Like if he if he helps the offense and turns the team around, you're not changing your head coach because if they go win ten games, like you're you're probably not making any kind of move there. So uh, I think this is great for everybody. I think it will instill a different sort of offensive mindset at USC. And even if he only sticks around for one year and then goes get a head coaching job somewhere else. I don't think you can go. You wouldn't go back to the gumbo. You would get someone that would continue what that success was. So uh, I think you've you've got a, you, you've stopped. There was a, some bad habits there, and I think this will break them. And then, no matter what the future of Cliff Kingsbury is, he has success. I think you're going to want to try to repeat that success and not go back to well, let's do it back the way we did it because I'm like, no, this was completely different. And I think the other thing it forces you to really take a serious look at defense because. One of the, you know, the flaws in Oregon's, uh, you know, under Chip Kelly was the more, you know, the quicker they scored, the more plays they ran, the more their defense was on the field. And they didn't really have great defenses. And they have a lot of players. USC's going to have to rethink now, what are we going to do on defense? Yeah. And how do, we, how do we rotate guys in? And how complex do we make it? Or, you know, do we get more sound? And do we figure out how to get all our talent on the, on the field? And, and how do we get the young guys ready to play fairly quickly? Uh, so that we've got enough of a rotation. So I think in some ways having, uh, you know, Kingsbury change the offense forces them to think about how do we change the defense. Yeah. All righty. Anything else, Kaylee? We should uh, We should probably wrap it up. You're going to do some recruiting work. I know. Right? I'm about to head down to San Juan, Capistrano, Manier McLean. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's a why we moved up the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we moved it up. We moved it up a little bit. Yeah, so we moved up the time of the podcast an hour. Yeah. And Dan just happened to come in the studio. We're like, oh, let's do it. Like, so we'll, we might, might try to do these more, you know, especially in the off season. Like, if you don't yeah. mind coming out, yeah. Um, yeah. And we got, and we definitely got a lot of people watching live. Like, sometimes True, for something impromptu, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's like, all right. So we'll we'll make sure we clean up some of that stuff. Do you think there's any chance we could corral Gerard Martinez in here? Are there people asking for that too? Right? Yeah, he's way out in the Inland Empire, but yeah, we should get him for one of these. Um, we, yeah, that Gerard would be interesting would be, for sure. Yeah. Get Gerard on camera and stuff. He likes to stay in his, you know, he plays his video games and does his recruiting and all that stuff. But he was pretty, I mean, he was tweeting some funny stuff this morning because he, he, you know, his sources would maintain the whole time because he, he's the one that broke it for us that Cliff Kingsbury was signing. Uh, but his, you know, the people he talked to maintained the whole time and people we talked to around USC seem really uh, optimistic the whole time. It's just the other people, you know, his agents or whatever were, yeah. were spreading other things. So whatever. It looks like we don't know when. It's going to happen. It's a good thing for USC. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But we had a lot of stuff today. 
Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, the Pac-12 schedule and all the weird quirks with that. I guess the the, the Pac-12 uh, All-American teams or whatever mm-hmm. that USC didn't do that well on. I think that'll change next year. Like, instantly, like, if JT Daniels starts, like, everyone, people are talking about this on Twitter. Like, he's going to be the all-time leader uh, at USC passing yards, like, for one season. Like, he'll he'll set a record next year. I would, would almost, almost certainly. He yeah. would think, yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy. All right, well, I guess we're going to wrap it up. One last thing. Remember oh. last week, Jesse, who watched uh, Disney on... He watched us when he was at Disney on Ice. He just yes. reported that he got in trouble for that. Jesse, we thank you, though. Sorry, Jesse, but that was awesome that you watched that on Disney on Ice. Oh, that was... Uh, was that the Brooks one? The Sports by Brooks? Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. So. Very nice. Which, yeah, we had the, that was, we've had some impromptu things on the Tunnel Vision. Every time we move something in the last week, it's breaking news has happened, and it's been a coincidence. We haven't moved anything because of it, but no, yeah. you never know. That was good. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up. That's Keely Yor, Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast slash Tunnel Vision, and we'll talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.